Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Well, hello again to everybody. Uh, I'm here with uh, Coach and uh, all-around guru, uh, John Obaluski, and he is here to talk to us again uh, and share his wisdom. And, and really today's topic, John, is something I think every leader, but particularly people in ministry, uh, are going to face. And that is, what do, you, what do you do when you're calling? Like why you're here, what you're doing, what you breathe, what you eat, it just gets really, really hard. What happens when times get tough? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, several months ago, Jim, I was having breakfast with uh, a ministry leader, and uh, here's a guy who he's all in. He and his wife have given their lives to their calling. Yeah, uh, It's a beautiful and redemptive calling, and they have opponents who every day actively are trying to destroy their reputation. Mm. And, you know, as I was listening to this guy pour his heart out to me, Jim, uh, I thought about what do you do when... You know you're called. You know you're equipped. Right. Uh, you love the work you do. It's helping people, and problems start to emerge that just seem so big. You don't know what to do about it. It could be financial, right? It could be, uh, it could be a people problem. It could be people who are actively trying to ruin your life. Yeah. And uh, you know when your calling gets tough, you can begin to wonder: Am I the right guy? Yeah, uh, for the job. Right? Is it supposed to be this hard? I must be. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Or, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think about John the Baptist. You know, when he was in prison. Yeah. He uh, he sent his disciples to go ask Jesus, "Are you the one to come, or should we expect another?" Um, and that was said only a short while after he had one of the most amazing experiences recorded in Scripture. At Jesus' baptism, you know, he saw heaven. I think about this. This is really crazy, right? He, yeah. he saw heaven open. He heard the audible voice of God. Yeah. And he saw this dove descend, uh, the Holy Spirit descending in a form of a dove. Think about how powerful that encounter was. I mean, an yeah. amazing encounter. And yet in a season of difficulty, serious doubt crept in to his life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, Jesus' response to the disciples was, well, tell him that blind eyes see and good news is preached to the poor. And that's part of a prophetic scripture about what the Messiah would do. And one of them is to set the captives free. Right. <laughs> and he didn't quote that part. <laughs> he, didn't, yeah. he didn't say that. He just says, blessed are you who's not offended because of me. Like, I mean, right. we're warned. This is, you know, in this world, we will have tribulation. We've been warned. But take right. heart, Jesus says, I've overcome the world. So. What are the just practical things? You you deal with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of leaders and pastors. You've been, you know, a pastor, a staff pastor, a senior pastor, a campus plant pastor. Right. You've you've been through hard seasons. We all know. So what are what are some of the the practical things we can say to ourselves or do that that will help us to uh, to get through tough times? So the first one I think Jim is just to be brutally honest with God in those moments uh, I encourage pastors to go all out psalms on, on him uh, you know if you listen to some of the prayers of the psalmist it really oh, yeah. it's really interesting isn't it uh, here's a couple of them my soul is in deep anguish how long oh Lord how long <laughs> Um, here's yeah. another one. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. And those are just a couple of examples from the Psalms that reveal this human anguish, right? And, yeah. and raw 
emotion. I love the Psalms because of that. I love how honest they are, how raw yeah. and, and emotional they are. And apparently, God can handle it when we vent to him <laughs> yeah. about our fears, our worries, and our doubts. And, and, and he even encourages us, right, in the New Testament, cast your cares right, right. on him yeah. because he cares for you. So I think, I think that's one, mm. is just being brutally honest with the Lord, saying, Lord, my life stinks right now, or it feels yeah. like it stinks right now. Help me. Yeah. Yeah, I went through a tough time years ago, and I, I was. We have a, a road that adjacents our property here that's abandoned gravel pit road, and I, I just day after day would walk up there, and and it's almost like God would meet me there to hear me. It yeah. wasn't. I say here I am again. I actually had a joke one time with him. I said, I, I when someday when this all is over with, I, I hope I still walk this road. Yeah, I hope I don't need heat and pressure to to be pressed into you to mm. find you, you know, yeah, that's but, good. but yeah, he, he heard me say all kinds of things that I probably wouldn't say to anybody else just because no one else can do anything about it. Right. You know? So to say, man, God, they're so mean. And you know, are you just going to sit back and let this happen? I mean, I, I trust you, but you know, couldn't you just kill somebody and make yeah. me make my day so much better. <laughs> and, and the Lord never killed anybody. Right. And, and most of it now has been reconciled and that which hasn't, I believe will be, you yeah. know, it just, we don't we don't stay in hard times. We we go through them. But being brutally honest with God, what what else? And so this is going to sound fairly similar. But being brutally honest with a safe and competent person. Yeah. Um, you know, avoiding the temptation to carry that load by yourself, uh, and that requires you to check your pride at the door yeah. and admit you need help. Yeah. Um, I th- I thought it was interesting uh, in Galatians where Paul says, "Bear one another's burdens." And the Greek word he used for burdens there means a load too heavy for mm. one person to carry. Mm. Mm. Wow. And, and yeah. uh, so when we share a burden like that, of that nature, with yeah. a trusted friend, the weight of it is immediately cut in half right. by 50%. And, and so here's the, here's the difficulty for pastors, especially lead pastors, is they don't always have a person right. they feel is safe. Or competent to talk to, and that's I think that's one of the things Converge Coaching probably does best. Yeah, is is that we we mentor guys, we're safe, uh, we are uh, you know we are non-denominational or interdenominational in, right. in our outreach. We're working with probably thirteen to fourteen denominations now, right? And um, and so if you don't have somebody that you can talk to, please reach out to us. You just yeah. go to our, our website and fill out a contact form. Yeah. No obligation, and we'll just talk to you and see how you're doing and well, see if that's we can how be helpful. You and I became friends. That exactly. I, I needed a place to process things that I, I felt like if I, if I went to my usual friends or my staff or even my spouse and said, I'm thinking about really changing things. I'm thinking because I'm, I'm growing less and less healthy, because it's producing less and less fruit, we need a drastic change. And I thought everybody in my world that I would talk to about that, I would shake them up because I, I mm. think with my mouth open. I don't yeah. know what I'm thinking until I say it. Right. Um, well, some people are processors, so they say, well, he said we were going to A. It's like, no, no, I was, I was thinking out loud is all I was doing. So you and I spent hours on the phone where I could just say, okay, here's what I'm thinking, and this is why. And it was nice. to We barely knew each other, which right. may seem strange, but your reputation – was such that I knew that it w- it wouldn't go anywhere. It'd go to your grave, and that was it. Right. Um, and it never came back, obviously. And and it was was neat as we developed a good friendship out of that. Yeah. So you you, you said something, two things that I want to come back to: safe and competent. What makes a person safe, and what makes a person competent? Because those may be. I, I think the bartender is safe, yeah. but he's not competent. Right. You know what I mean? I think I think a professor is competent, 
but may not be safe. So what what makes a is this? Are we looking for a best friend? Are we looking for a neighboring pastor? Are we looking for do we, you know a, a coach that we hire for a season? What's yeah. what makes a person safe and, and competent? Well, let's talk about safe first. I think, uh, by the way, great question, Jim. Um, I think a safe person is somebody that holds confidences, somebody who's not going to try to cast the devil out of me every time I tell them <laughs> I've got a problem. Um, somebody that I know cares about me. Yeah. And and um, you know, in our instance, you didn't really know that I cared about you yet, but yeah. I had a reputation, and so you yeah. kind of took a, a leap based on the reputation. But I think a safe person is somebody who allows you to to say what's on your mind without uh, correcting you, uh, mm. shaming you, right. uh, saying you shouldn't feel that way, things like that. They're just people that are open to you in, the, in that way. Um, competent is somebody who actually can help you, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, somebody who's maybe been there, done that, um, who who has uh, the ability and the skill set to be able to point you in a direction that's healthy. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if that totally answers your question, Jim, but those are my thoughts on it. I, I th- and, and as I reached out to people during a, a tough season, that's a, a neighboring pastor um, you know, I, I, I was the first person I told, Hey, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I burned out or whatever this is. Right. He stopped what he was doing. He gave me his full attention. He prayed for me. He let me cry in his office. Yeah. Uh, he offered me a job, <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? Just literally. And I, I didn't take the job, but I did take the prayer and everything else. And it was the first step back towards, you know, sanity. And, and to, to my knowledge, and I'm sure it's true, no one has heard what I said in his office, unless right. I've told them, but he hasn't. He would he would deny ever knowing me, I think, because of that, a safe and competent person. And and then when it came time to actually process a plan, that's where you came in. It wasn't just, mm-hmm. I, I needed someone to throw up on because I'm dying. I, I Now I, I see a way out. I just don't know how to get there. Right. And that's where you came in. What else, what else do you think? What other things can help us uh, along this in tough times? So this is a one that uh, this third one is uh, very simple, and it says keep plotting. You know, don't give up, don't give in, you know, keep doing those things that move the ball down the field of your yeah. mission. And I think I say that a lot. You know, I think even in our previous podcast, I had talked about this a little yeah. bit. But I just keep coming back to this steady plotting, yeah. a day after day type of approach. You know, think about what behaviors bring the best outcomes for your ministry. I know what those behaviors are for us. I really have identified, here's the things that if I do these on a regular basis, we will get to reach our goal in 2025 of influencing 25,000 leaders. So that's something that the plotting has to be purposeful, right? I can plot and and waste a lot of time, but what outcomes bring the best, or what behaviors bring the best outcomes? Um, Remind yourself, what's your assignment? Yeah. Keep doing those things, even when you feel like giving up, even when you feel like, I don't see a way through this, I don't see a way out, I don't think, God, God, I'm not sure I'm the right guy for this. Yeah. Um, if I could be totally transparent with you this morning, after all these years, I still have those mornings. Sure. Where I say, God, am I the right guy? <laughs> you sure you've got the right guy yeah. to do this work? I, is that universal, though? Don't you think? I think the guy that wakes up says, "God, you're lucky to have me on your team." Like that—that guy is not going to make it. You know, the guy that goes, "Man, I'm I'm desperate. I I realize that today, if I don't have your help, 
right nothing nothing good happens i think i would know, imagine yeah. most leaders feel that way i would think so especially if, if you're going someplace you've never been you're leading an organization that changes it's it's an it's an organism it's, it's growing it's evolving it's right whatever you led yesterday don't get used to it because it's not the same thing today there's always people coming always people going always new problems and changes and dynamics and yeah you better be dependent or independent people you know, a, a branch independent from the vine is a dead branch. That's right. That's that's all there is yep. to it. So what about, you know, it's summertime uh, as, as we're recording this right now. Mackinac Island's just a couple, you know, hours away. Like, what what do you think about, can, can you gain perspective by stepping away? 100%. Uh, we we uh, often encourage pastors that have found uh, their calling getting very difficult to take a step back. And sometimes that step back is uh, a day, sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's longer than that, depending on the nature of the uh, the situation that they find themselves in. I, I think stepping back gives you perspective. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are times when the weight of your doubt can overwhelm you and and to the point where you feel paralyzed. And, and so I think it's fine to punt for a day <laughs> or two, you know, get, get some sleep. One of the best pieces of advice I could give anybody listening to this, and if you're, you know, if you are in a moment where you feel like, man, I just don't know if I can make it, get some sleep. That will help you uh, gain perspective. Uh, Get around people who make you laugh. So, you know, whenever I need to laugh, I call you, Jim. (laughs) You know, you help me. You help me lighten my mood uh, in, a, in an amazing way. These kinds of things will clear your head, I think, right, and allow you to think more clearly about your calling. Um, so, yeah, I think I think stepping away. I think that's the beauty of a day yeah. off yeah. Uh, during the week. That's the beauty of of punching out at some point in the day. I, I mean, yeah. pastoral ministry is not nine to five, right? It doesn't fit into that box. But the problem with that is some guys don't know when to shut it off. And And there has to to be a day, a point in the day, where you clock out. Yeah, yeah. I always found that when I went away, uh, two things happened. One is I I didn't realize realize how tired I was until I got some rest and then started to feel good. And I haven't felt like this in a long time. The other thing was as I felt better and better throughout that week or two weeks or day or whatever it was, there was a renewed courage in my soul to come back and confront issues. Right. That when I was overwhelmed by the issues, that's when I always felt the worst. I, I yep. there was something to be done, but I lacked the moral, the the you know the the courage, the capital, the emotional capital to address those issues, those difficult people, those difficult circumstances. And as I got away, my soul got some rest too. You yes. know, and I slept, and I ate a bologna sandwich, and I kissed my wife, and we held hands in the park. And by the time I came back, I'm ready to to deal with issues that were overwhelming me. So that, I, I appreciate that, John. I, I think everybody in every life, I can't imagine being a police officer today or a school right. teacher today or the, the people in our culture that we serve, you know, those who are in serving positions, right. I, I think have not had a harder day than in our, in our country than they do today, you right. know, where those who serve are, are less respected and more suspected. You know, yep. than they are today. So your advice is gold. Thanks so much. So in our next episode coming up, um, we're going to talk a little bit about, I know people said, get away for a week. I couldn't get away for a week. It wouldn't be here when I got back. And they're probably not right. What, what do you think about that? 
about uh, that whole idea of getting away and, and well it's just that there are people in our church that are ready to serve and and we oh, may actually yeah. be in the way uh, of their ministry coming yeah. to fruition because we're the ones mowing the grass and folding the bulletins right so the next podcast i'm going to talk about how to get out of the way yeah. <laughs> of people serving and i'm going to share two really incredible stories yeah uh, uh real life stories uh, of pastors who were bottlenecking the church uh, that they led in the surprising way they got past that. Great. And I, and I think, again, everybody, This is, he just said, I'm going to teach you how to multiply your ministry by using the people of God to do what they're created to do. So That's right. In other words, he just said, I'm going to teach you how to be a pastor. So I hope you'll join us. If you like the podcast, remember to like it, share it, comment below. And uh, John, thanks so much always for your wisdom and your just your ability to share from your heart. So we'll, we'll see you again on the next episode.